The Small Queendom Podcast, Episode 7. Hey friends, you're back! Thank you! And for those of you who are just joining me, my name is Leah Graham, and I am glad to have you be a part of the Small Queendom Podcast family. I'm going to go ahead and say you all need to know a couple things about me. First off, I love a good to-do list. I love to be productive to get stuff done. It's hard for me to sit still. I know that's probably hard for you to imagine, haha. Number two, you also need to know that when you see me in person or see my pictures on Instagram, I have a lot of sparkly gray hair. Now I'm only, let's see, how old am I? 31. I had to think about that for a second. I'm only 31, but I have a whole lot of gray hair and I really don't have any plans of covering up in dye. So, you know, I'm just going with the flow. I'm going to work with what I got. And the third thing you need to know about me right now is that I am wild about personal development. And what gives you a path to personal development, self-awareness, and what brings you awesome self-awareness, personality tests. So today I get to introduce to many of you, I would guess, the most nuanced and rich personality system I have come across in my time, and that is called the Enneagram. Now, those of you trying to spell it out, it is E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. The Enneagram is pretty much an ancient personality system that has been passed down, and about maybe 30 to 40 years ago, people started saying, hey, we need to write this down. And now it seems like people are talking about it left and right. You can find umpteen podcasts, amazing books, and go hear talks about it. You can take courses. It is awesome, and it is really, really rich. I first came across the Enneagram a year ago when I was in personal counseling, and my counselor wanted me to find out my Enneagram type. And I just want to take a second and say I love personality tests because I am kind of an achieving personality and I love to know what's going to give me the edge. I'm always wanting to know where that path is for me to take myself to the next level. So in college, I was always taking those, you know, silly personality tests. Like if you were a zoo animal, what zoo animal would you be? And if you could only go one place on vacation, what would be your ideal destination? You know, things like that. And I found the Myers-Briggs assessment in college. I'm an ENFJ, by the way. And so I've always been fascinated by that. Uh, recently getting into Finder, that's a whole nother topic. But one thing that I have loved about the Enneagram, it is very rich. It is very layered. And while it's really fun to know all the awesome stuff about us, like I'm so great, of course, it's also very valuable to have an, an objective voice about where your blind spots might be or what really is the core of how you respond and how you do things and what are some of those deep-seated fears. When we can understand big questions like that about ourselves, that is when we can truly discover where those walls are that we have boxed ourselves in and where our shields are up at, okay? So the Enneagram is both sides of that coin. You're going to learn the awesome stuff 
that you bring to the table, but you're also going to learn what happens when you're in stress and when you are emotionally unhealthy, what place you go. So basically the Enneagram is such a gift to help us really have pure feelings and to show us how we can live in our true um, strengths in our inner world and how we can respond to people around us. All right, now I'm going to try to break down the different pieces. And this is actually a part one of two on the Enneagram because next week you get to enjoy an interview I have with Beth McCord, who is an Enneagram coach. And it is a fascinating conversation. I think it will be insightful for you. I wanted to go ahead and do this solo episode first to give you some context because it is a very rich topic. So let me go ahead and frame out bits about the Enneagram for you. So I want you to imagine a circle with the numbers one through nine equidistant around the circle, all right? So obviously those are gonna be the nine different types. Now you are gonna have a dominant type. You might see yourself in a few different types, but there is going to be one that is truly gonna speak to that heart. And once you discover your, your dominant type, you'll be able to go down that path, that growth path that's going to take you on an amazing journey if you decide to dedicate a little bit of time to it. Now I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that once you discover your dominant Enneagram type, here's another layer, you also have a wing. So let's say you are a type five. You are going to have a wing type of either four or six. So if you are a type nine, you will have a wing of either an eight or a one. And the wing is just another layer in that beautiful picture that is you and that really gives you your flavor. Now, a little bit of a comparison before I break down the types. If you think about Myers-Briggs, because most people are familiar with that 16 personalities, you know, ENFJ, INFP, ESTP, you know, all that. Myers-Briggs is how the world sees you, but the Enneagram is how you see the world. And even a child as young as four or five is really settling in how they see the world. Our experiences as a child, how we are raised, really imprints that upon us. And so I'm very excited to be able to introduce this to you. Let me go ahead and tell you a little bit about the nine types. There's a nickname for each type, and and depending on what resource you are going through, the, nickna- the nicknames might be varied a little bit, but you'll get the idea. Okay, so type one is the reformer. This person has a very strong sense of right or wrong. They are highly ethical, organized, fastidious, critical, perfectionistic. They're great evaluators and judges, but sometimes it leads to black and white thinking. Now you will notice, I'm going to pause here, you'll notice that I'm going to talk about positive and maybe a little bit of unhealthy traits. And that just goes par for course. No one is judging you. Don't be defensive. Just take the information as it is. Okay? Type two is the helper. This person is caring, helpful, very nurturing. They're self-sacrificing. They seek love through helping others. They're unselfish. They're sentimental. And they lead with their heart. They want to make sure everyone in the room is loved on and taken care of. And much of the time, they will do it to their own detriment. Number three is that successful achiever. They are image conscious, they're success oriented, they're attractive, they're charming, they are 
masters of productivity and efficiency. They're ambitious, competitive, inspirational. They're a workaholic. Type four, the romantic individualist. This person is romantic and introspective. They're creative. They are moody. They're vulnerable. They're self-indulgent. They can have self-pity, that woe is me attitude. Uh, They're also highly transformational. Type five, the observer or the investigator. This person is intense. They're cerebral. They're thinkers, calculators, alert, detached, eccentric, isolated, visionary pioneers ahead of their time. Type six, the loyalist or the guardian. A loyal friend to the bone, anxious, worries a lot, defiant, self-reliant, supports the underdog. Type seven, the enthusiast or the entertaining optimist. This person says the grass is always greener. They are busy. They are very fun. They're optimistic. They're playful, high-spirited, scattered, overextended, constantly seeking the new, impulsive, They avoid pain at all costs. They can become highly accomplished and full of gratitude. Type eight, the challenger. This person is powerful, dominant, strong, protective, aggressive, self-mastering. They must control their environment. Doesn't want anyone to control or harm them. They can improve others' lives. They're very much an activist. They're heroic. They are magnanimous and great. And finally, the type nine, the peacemaker were the mediator. They like to keep everyone and everything on even keel. They're easygoing, trusting, stable, good-natured, supportive, indecisive, complacent, passive, healing, and they bring people together. So those are the basic nine types. Now I'm sure you thought, oh my gosh, that's me. Oh wait, no, that's me. Oh wait, now I don't know. So there's a few different ways that you can truly find your type. One, you can go to the Enneagram Institute website and you can read through the basic descriptions. That is really a great way to discover your type is to read through them all and see which one really is hitting uh, hitting that tender spot for you. There are a few assessments. So our guest next week, Beth McCord, has an amazing resource on her website. It's a free assessment and generally runs about 80% accurate. So pretty good there. And her website is yourenneagramcoach.com. I'll put all this in the show notes. And then there is even an app, the Anea app. But like I said, take one of the assessments, but take the time to read through and discover truly what your type is. It will really help. And then at once you have read through the types, you find your dominant type, it will be pretty easy to see what your wing is um, because you will have read through the types. And once you find your dominant type, well, it's either going to be the number that's below or above. That will be your wing. Now, there's different ways that the Enneagram types respond and relate, and each of the Enneagram types has a, like a, a basic fear. The fears can be, um, you know, a real window into how they respond and really how they go about things. So, for instance, like a number one, the reformer, they fear that we will find out that they're fundamentally immoral or have vices. Uh, the number three, the number three has a huge fear that without the accomplishments, without the successes, that they bring no value and that they're worthless. The type five has a great fear that they will be found uh, incompetent to understand anything. The type seven has a great fear of pain. They do a, a, a lot to avoid pain. Um, 
So they're constantly searching for external stimulation because they feel empty inside and they don't want to feel that pain. It's really eye-opening to discover like, oh my gosh, someone else feels like me. But it's also eye-opening to, once you understand your type, you realize, wow, there's a lot of people that see the world in a very different manner. And my relationships might be really one-sided about, you know, if if I'm feeling one way, I might think that everyone feels that way. Well, that is not the case. They're really coming at it in a different way. And then you add in maybe the idea of a partner or a spouse, and it is an amazing tool for understanding and for learning how to love your spouse well. I also want to take a caveat because the Enneagram, while it can be uh, spiritually neutral, the Enneagram really lends itself for a faith-based approach. And that's because the Enneagram really shows us the downfall or the unhealthy traits. And, you know, in in the faith, in the gospel, we believe that that we are whole in, in Jesus and that, uh, you know, God brought the ultimate bridge through sending his son and that we have the amazing counselor of the Holy Spirit that convicts, comforts, and counsels us in our daily life. And so, learning about the Enneagram and then applying a faith-based concept to it is an amazing tool for growth. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you that my type is the type three, the successful achiever. And so if you just heard what I said, you know, it is really true that a three, the, the successful achiever really feels like their value is in what I, what I'll just talk about myself, what I have done or what I can do. And if you took away you know, my awards or, you know, my resume, I would feel basically worthless. I would feel like I don't have any kind of value. And so what the three is longing to hear is that I am whole and complete and have amazing value. And that is through the love of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And because he did that amazing work on the cross that I don't have to do all the things to prove who I am. And so each of the types have an amazing story along that lines. But I wanted to talk a little bit more just, you know, about my type and how it applies. I am the the successful achiever type. And while this type can be very image focused, it's not because they are trying to, you know, be the most beautiful or the most perfect. It's because they're trying to fill that void of, a fear of failure that, um, you know, they become very image conscious because they are, are amazing chameleons to respond and react to people in all sorts of situations. You know, a type three is a natural born leader. And so we are used to being in a lot of different situations, knowing how to evaluate it, knowing how to work with other people to get to, uh, the end goal. But one thing you need to know about the three is that we very much are in what's called the heart space. So here is another caveat about the Enneagram. Each of the nine types have an intelligence center. So it's either the center of the gut, the heart, or the head. So if you look at types two, three, and four, we are very heart centered. Our intelligence center is within our heart. If you look at 
five, six, and sevens, their intelligence center is in their head. And if you look at eights, nines, and ones, their intelligence center is in their gut. And so to break that down a little bit, like a type two, that that helpful nurturer, that type two is the most warm-hearted of all of the types. They are the nurturer and they are thinking about everyone else's feelings. But the greatest, most fearful question you can ask a type two is what are you feeling, dear type two? The type four is also in that in that heart type, but they are so they they feel things. They are pain filled and intense. They are sad because they are sadder. They are happy because they're the happiest. You know, they go to those extremes. But here's the thing about the three. Even though the three is dead center within the heart of the two and the four. The three looks at how the two cares for everyone else, and that's huge, and then looks at the huge feelings of the four and says, nope, can't do that. So the three, a lot of the time, even though they're very heart-centered, they actually step back and kind of like hide away their emotions, put, a, put their emotions to the side so they can get stuff done. Um, because of that, the three is very misunderstood, and... They have a real drive for perfection to kind of fill that void that they feel in their heart. And and here's another twist to it. A lot of times the three looks for that heart connection through someone else because, like I said, they don't think that they are worthy of value or worthy of love. And so they're really looking for that outward affirmation. All right, and so another thing about a three, just to dive deep more into it, and I'm sure if you know three, you will see this. So a three is so goal-oriented and they're so focused on productivity that sometimes, uh, you know, they will hit one of their big goals. And before the celebration starts or before the, you know, confetti even starts to fall from the sky, they're already on the next project. A lot of times a three can do what's called move the target. Mid-goal, they have moved their target further and further because they know they're about to hit it. They're already thinking about the next thing. A little bit of a note, there is definitely a culture in America that leans towards a three, like how to get ahead, how to be successful, how to have that image. And you know, you can look at different cultures around the world and there will be a little bit of a bent towards a different Enneagram type. So when I look at my Enneagram type and I am in, in a, when I am in health and I am moving to the healthy traits of the three, I am moving towards the healthy traits of a six, which is I'm helping other people succeed. I'm being very loyal and I'm relating to people well and I'm working well with them. And maybe I'm taking a step back and letting other people shine and maybe even letting other people, you know, take a little bit of the glory and, and, and I can bring a, a whole lot to the team in that way. When a three is in limbo or having a hard time doing the hard things or not understanding the way they're feeling, you know, sometimes a three can get caught up in busy work just so they can feel like they've done something. So instead of doing that hard phone call or that important conversation that needs to take, they might organize their desk just so they feel like something can get done. You know, sometimes a three can get caught up in the busy work. One strength of a three is that we are prolific problem solvers. And that comes with its own double-edged sword. So while a three is just amazing at problem solving, sometimes that makes a three build relationships around them that are built upon a problem. That can cause some stumbling blocks in relationships because once that problem is solved, 
where is the relationships? You know, you might find that, you know, you leave a team or you solve a problem and the people that you're working so closely with, they're not around anymore. And so for a three to be in healthy relationships, it's probably good for a three to have relationships that are outside of work that are just purely based off of who the three is and not what they're doing. And so, like I said, I don't want to belabor the point, but it is just this amazing deep dive. And I'm going to share some resources later for you, but I want to go ahead and take a little bit of a second to discuss what you do and you don't do around the different types, okay? So for type one, the reformer, you want to thank the reformer for what she does or he does, ask for their advice and help them to have fun. You don't want to say that they're irresponsible or let them do all the work or question their integrity. With a type two, you want to appreciate his or her helpfulness. Ask them about themselves and let them know that you care. You do not want to take them for granted, be cold or indifferent, or make them feel left out. For a type three, the achiever, you want to tell them that you're proud of them and love them for who they are and be really direct and concise. With a three, you don't want to be over-emotional and you don't want to point out their failures or interrupt their work. For a type four, that romantic individualist, compliment them, respect their intuition, and share your own feelings. But don't be crude or rude. Tell them to get over it or wear a false front. With the type five, that observer, do be independent and straightforward, warm, but not gushy. Don't be intrusive. Don't come on too strong and don't rush them. Type six, the loyal guardian. Be clear about expectations. Reassure them that they're that we're okay and be supportive. But do not overreact. Do not change plans unexpectedly and don't let them down. Type seven. Have fun with the type seven. Appreciate their spontaneity and enjoy their grand visions. But do not be clingy or needy. Don't ask them tedious things and don't micromanage. For the type eight, that protective challenger, stand up for yourself. Be direct, but share your tender side. Do not take their anger personally. Don't betray their trust and don't fence them in. And finally, the type nine peaceful mediator, be patient with them. Ask what they like and don't like. Hug them often. Do not pressure or hurry. Don't confront them harshly and don't take advantage of their kindness. So I'm very excited for you to find out what your type is. I'll go ahead and tell you that I am a three with a four wing. So I'm that successful achiever with that creative romantic individualist on the side. My husband is five. He's that cerebral observer, but he also has a four wing. So we kind of meet in the middle in that creative artistic way. My best friend, you heard from Spring in episode two. Spring is, as far as I know, she is a two. She is that helper with a three wing. So we kind of meet in that achieving mode. But she truly, when she is at a party or has people over to her house, she is truly like worried about the welfare and the hearts of all of the people in the room. And me as a three who can actually you know, step outside of my emotions. I have found myself many times in love saying, if she's worried about how someone might be feeling, I say, oh, that's not your burden to carry. They're fine. They're fine. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to belabor the point. It's really fun to discover in your life the types of the people because they are going to bring something wonderful 
to the relationship. If you're thinking about the Enneagram as being on a team, think about all of the types being an instrument. You don't want to be on a team and have all of the types just be you, just because you understand them. All of the types are going to bring something so rich and so valuable. You want to tap into that. And so be sure to go and check out your Enneagram coach doc and either take the free assessment or head over to the Enneagram Institute and read through the descriptions. And I think you're going to have a whole lot of fun with this. All right, what I've been digging lately, well, let's just go ahead and talk about the resources that I'm loving with the Enneagram. The main way that I've learned about the Enneagram besides the packets of information that my counselor sent me is that I went on podcasts and I just simply typed in the podcast Enneagram and some amazing things came up. So here's what I've been loving. There's a podcast by Ian Crone called Typology. It is amazing. And it's Ian, who is an expert in the Enneagram, just having awesome conversations with different types and there's panelists so you know there is uh, there's an episode where there's a whole panelist of fives and my husband loved listening to that and he just found himself saying yes yes I feel that way oh my gosh they're saying exactly what I'm thinking Ian and a woman named Suzanne Stable actually did a prior podcast called The Road Back to You and that is also excellent There's also a podcast by Ryan O'Neill called The Sleeping at Last Podcast. And this one is super cool. Now, don't worry, I'm going to link all this up. But The Sleeping at Last Podcast, Ryan is a composer and he's a songwriter. And he has written, he's written songs for each of the types. Now, at first I thought this was a little bit like wonky, you know, but then I listened to it and oh my gosh, can I just be honest? Like the first time I heard the song for the three, which is my type, I almost started crying. I was like, oh my gosh, she's speaking right to my heart. Be sure to check out that one because it, I think it will be really meaningful for you. And then finally, there are a lot of books. I'm going to put several books in the show notes. One that is most recent and very popular is The Road Back to You. So there are lots of great books on the Enneagram. But those are some of the resources that I'm digging. Another thing that's been fun is some of the podcasts that I've been listening to unrelated to the Enneagram have been bringing it up and it's been really fun to know what they're talking about. So that's what I've been digging. Okay, it's time to play a game. Today's game is really more just kind of like a fun, uh, lighthearted approach because it's just me. So, you know, it'd be hard to um, have me guess on something since I wrote it. All right. So I found this fun list that if you could uh, break down the nine Enneagram types and identify a Bible character, that would be that type. So here's some fun. So number one, the reformer, strong-willed, justice-oriented, willing to make a stand for what you care about. Your doppelganger is the apostle Paul. Number two, the helper. Service is your middle name. You love giving to others as long as you're healthy. You don't need attention to do so. So your doppelganger is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Some people think that John could possibly be a two as well. All right, number three, the achiever. You're driven, success-oriented, sometimes to the point of caring more about how you appear to others than you should, but you're faithful and focused, a lot like Moses. And Jacob may also be a three. 
All right, number four, the individualist. You feel deeply and emotions are central to your experience as is being unique. Can anyone guess? King David could be your Enneagram doppelganger. King David for number four. Number five, the observer or the investigator. Driven by logic, straight thinking, more than emotions, and can tend to be distant and aloof when you're unhealthy. Luke, the doctor and writer of the books of Luke and Acts, is your doppelganger. Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, is also a good example of a five, needing to see and understand before believing. Number six, the loyalist. Just like the name, you're loyal and committed. And like Ruth, you care deeply about the people and places you're called to. In an unhealthy state, you can let fear dictate your choices, but like Ruth, you can learn to take risks that lead to great joy and God-centered glory. The apostle Peter, faithful but sometimes fearful, is also a six. Number seven, you're energetic, lively, and the life of the party. Like Barnabas, you're an encourager and love to bring others into the fold. Your weakness is your love of all life has to offer and can bend you towards an addiction and indulgence. King Solomon is also another example of a seven. Type eight, the challenger. You're straightforward and aggressive, a leader, and you care intensely about justice. So John the Baptist is an example of an eight. And Miriam, the sister of Moses, is another example of an eight. Finally, nine, the peacemaker. You connect easily with others and make them feel at ease, like the Apostle John. You care about helping others reconcile with God and with each other. While your tenderheartedness might make you avoid arguments or conflicts, you can trust that God is in the midst of those hard things and can use your gifts to point others to true peace that Christ offers. All right, that's all I have for you today with the Enneagram. I hope that you enjoyed that, and I hope that you have a sense of curiosity and that you will go and check out the EnneagramInstitute.com and your Enneagram coach and take the assessment. If you do, please let me know what your Enneagram type is. I love this, these kinds of things, and I want to know more about you. So you can leave me a comment on uh, the show notes on my website on smallqueendom.com, or you can send me a DM over on Instagram. And finally, don't forget that we are having a July goodie bag and we're going to be giving away some awesome prizes in, in this goodie bag. So be sure to take a screenshot while you're listening to the podcast and share it in your Instagram stories and be sure to tag me at Small Queendom. I can't wait for you to hear part two on this series. And if you think that someone you know would be interested or would benefit from this, I would love if you would share this episode with them. I hope you have a wonderful week, my dear friend, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.